Good morning. So glad we get to focus in on this second third of 2020 with our Ready, Set, Go series. Ready, Set, Go. This is the third sermon in this little mini-series to kind of get us launched into the second third of the year. We never imagined trying to launch into the second third of the year from these circumstances. And yet these circumstances have actually provided for us a great opportunity to consider being ready as a church family, being set as individual families, and now going and proclaiming the gospel. I mean, just think about it. We focused in the first sermon around ready, a ready bride, a ready church family. We, we were talking about how as individual members of a church family, we need to put on things like compassion, humility, gentleness, kindness, patience. I mean, you think about these circumstances, and these circumstances have reminded us so much about why our church family matters, why we love being together, why in spite of the fact that we all stumble in many ways, we still push to be together and to love each other and encourage each other to forgive one another as Christ has forgiven us, to work on putting off things like anger and frustrations and putting on things like gentleness and kindness. We want to be the right kind of church family. And certainly this time has reminded us how incredibly important it is to be able to function together as a church family. You think about the challenge that we've all faced with family be, families being in homes, sheltering in place and spending a lot more time together and transitioning to schooling at home for many people, which was totally unexpected, and working from home in an environment that normally isn't where you have to do your job and all of this additional time and challenge in the home. And we focused in on making sure we are individual families who are setting the table of our experiences in the home so that we might feast on the things of the Lord and flourish as a family in the things of Christ. And so we want the table to be set for the family so that the family flourishes in Christ. And we've had an amazing opportunity in these circumstances to grow as a family. Individual families put in situations where they can maximize Opportunities to flourish in Christ as a family. It's pretty remarkable. And then we think about today's subject, go, and it really is going to be incredibly timely that we are dealing with this passage in these circumstances. Now, the passage we're going to read in just a moment is a passage that deals with slavery in the context of the Colossians church. So there were church members in the church at Colossae who were slaves. And the scripture is commanding these slaves to obey their masters, church members. And, and then there are church members in the church at Colossae who were masters over slaves. And the scripture is commanding those masters to treat their slaves well, fairly and justly. Now in the Colossians church, their context, slavery was a part of their culture. And so what do you do when you come to a passage of Scripture that issues commands in a cultural context 
that we don't affirm, that we know that if you follow the biblical truths and principles, you don't end up in slavery. You push away from that. We certainly wouldn't condone or affirm slavery in any context. But what do you do when the commands in the scripture are built around a cultural context that we don't affirm as ultimately biblical? You don't throw the commands out. What you do is you look for the principles that you can discover within the commands that are in the cultural context. And then you, you, you identify those principles that will transfer into any context and time. And so we're going we're gonna to dig into this passage. We're going to identify the principles that we can apply during our time. And really the context brings forth the principles related to how we live with authority. So think about how we've been living right now in our context. For, for probably most of us, if not all of us, we have experienced a greater level of governmental authority over our lives than ever before. We, we've been told to stay at home. We've been told that non-essential travel is, is not permitted. We, we've, been, we've been told that we need to prevent Groups gathering that are 10 or more, even 5 or more. Our churches have not been gathering in a corporate space. I mean, businesses have been told to shut down. They can't even operate. I mean, we have been experiencing a degree of authority from our government that many of you probably thought to yourself, I didn't know the government could do this. And here we are experiencing this unbelievable authority over us, wondering what does this look like? How do we respond to that? What, what does this feel like for us as we move forward and then and then Friday Freedom Friday I mean everybody was going out uh, the 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 uh, orders came to a cease on April 30th and people go out and doing all kinds of stuff and and it's this this issue of how are we going to live under authority and so I'm grateful for this passage that really does give us principles to hang on in our context dealing with authority And so let's read together Colossians chapter 3. And we're going to start reading in verse 22. So Colossians chapter 3 verse 22 through chapter 4 verse 1. Slaves, obey your human masters in everything. Don't work only while being watched as people pleasers, but work wholeheartedly fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people, knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for whatever wrong he has done, and there is no favoritism. Masters, deal with your slaves justly and fairly, since you know that you too have a master in heaven. There's the commands. They're in a cultural context that we certainly would not affirm. It doesn't represent the cultural context that you and I live in here where we live. And yet we want to extract from these commands in that culture principles related to how we live under authority, how we live with authority. So before we jump into the principles, I want to give you a presupposition that kind of needs to set the framework for jumping into the principles. And the presupposition is this. God does not want anyone to respond to the authority over them 
in such a way that would lead to their disobeying the Lord. In Acts chapter 4 and chapter 5, Peter and his companions are out sharing the gospel and the authorities arrest them and tell them they cannot share the gospel anymore. And Peter basically says, hey, you tell me, am I supposed to obey you or am I supposed to obey the Lord? The implication was clear. Peter was going to choose to obey the Lord. So the presupposition we take to this text that deals with principles of authority is that we are not going to follow any authority that result in us stepping into clear disobedience to the Lord. If we have to make a choice, we're going to obey the Lord. So based on that presupposition, I want you to think with me through the principles that this passage presents for us. The first principle is based on the fact that every wrongdoer will give an account for their wrongdoing to the Lord, that God is just in his authority, that he is all authoritative and just in the expression of his authority and that everyone will answer for how they lived under authority, how they lived with authority. Everyone will give an answer to how they lived with authority. Principle number one, God is all authoritative. He's just with authority and for that reason everyone will answer for how they lived under authority, how they lived with authority. Now we love justice. Like when somebody does us wrong, we want justice. We know what it feels like to experience justice. We want justice. And yet our desire for justice is a double-edged sword. Because God is just in His authority and that everyone will give an answer for how they lived under authority. That means that we all will give an account for how we lived under authority and how we lived with authority. And even though we long for justice when we are wronged, our desire for justice is not going to work out. Because God is just and everyone will give an account. That's not good news. That's not good news for us. Even though we long for justice, that's not what we want. We want everything to work out and be fair and balanced, but we don't want to be called to account for our own wrongs. We just want others to be called to account for their wrongs. And what the scripture says is that everyone will have to give an account for how they lived under authority and with authority. And if you think about it, every one of us have been living under authority from the moment we were born. The moment we were born, we were under authority. We had parental authority. It's an imperfect authority over us. And then we spend our lives living under imperfect authority. And what we tend to do under authority is we push against that authority. I mean, how many of us have, under our parents' authority growing up, not done what our parents said that we should do? We all broke our authority. We, we disobeyed our authority. We did not live under authority correctly, nor did we exercise authority in a way that was glorifying to the Lord. When we are all called to account for how we lived under authority and exercised authority, we're all going to come up short. But here's what God did with His authority. This is the greatest news. God is all authoritative and just in His display of authority. And He used His authority to send Jesus Christ to the cross, perfect, without sin, 
to die and pay the penalty for our sin so that God might exercise his authority in forgiving those who trust in Jesus Christ and still remain just, having poured out punishment on sins by crucifying Jesus Christ. So God remained just in issuing forth forgiveness to all those who trust in Christ by pouring out the punishment for sin on Christ. So God used his authority to provide forgiveness for those who trust in Christ. So that now as a follower of Jesus Christ, if I submit my life to Jesus Christ and believe in him as my Lord and Savior, I receive, in the way this passage in Colossians says it, I receive a promise of an inheritance from the Lord. I'm going to have an inheritance from the Lord that He has saved me and redeemed me in spite of my sin because He paid for my sin through the death of Jesus Christ. So here's here's the really amazing news for that slave in the church at Colossae. When you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you experienced a freedom that is greater and of more importance than the freedom that you could experience by getting out from under an imperfect authority. You can think about it like this on Friday, and and if you experience Freedom Friday, you can think about it like this. You can go out and you can experience Freedom Friday again and again and again, but Being free on Friday does not give you eternal freedom. There's a much more important freedom. See, we can experience no freedom Fridays, none whatsoever, and we can still find the greatest freedom of all through submitting to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. There is something incredibly significant about what we find in Jesus Christ under His authority that we will find under no other authority. And Jesus wants us to submit our lives to Him so that we find the greater freedom. So that we find the most amazing results of being under perfect authority. It's finding that freedom, that salvation through faith in Christ, that inheritance that's promised by submitting to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that we find the capacity and the reason to submit to all other authorities. And so we arrive at principle number two. How you respond To the imperfect authority over you is how you respond to God and His perfect authority over you. Everyone's going to give an account for how they respond to the authority over them, how they exercise their authority. We have all blown that. But God used His authority to bring about forgiveness of our sins. And we place our faith in Christ and submit to Him. We are forgiven. And from that place of having life in Christ, we can trust that God's perfect authority over us can do something in and through us even under imperfect authority. Paul expressed a circumstance similar to what I'm describing here when he said that he was placed in prison. 2 Timothy chapter 2, he talks about this. He was placed in prison 
for proclaiming the gospel, so unjustly imprisoned by the authorities over him. And yet he conveys, even though I'm in prison, it does not mean that the word of God is bound. He basically said, look, even though I'm in prison, unjustly treated under authority, I'm going to trust God's perfect authority over me and that God could work within the limitations of imperfect authority and proclaim the word of God effectively even though I'm bound in prison. One of the greatest lessons that I learned through living in a family where my parents were imperfect, just, just like you, imperfect parents, living under the authority of imperfect parents and then living under the authority in the workplace under imperfect supervisors. So one of the greatest lessons living in that is, is whether or not I will choose to live under imperfect authority in such a way that I work as if I live as if God's perfect authority gives me every reason to be all that I'm supposed to be under imperfect authority. I've had several guys through the years call me up who work on a church staff and convey to me, hey, I'm not really enjoying working under this leadership. I don't agree with everything they're doing. I don't like some of the things they're asking me to do, some of the ways that they're measuring what I'm accomplishing. I'm not really agreeing with that. And this is what I have told them based on the lessons that I've learned under authority and what the Scripture communicates. I've said, hey, listen. Your decision to work under imperfect authority has everything to do with how you're responding to God. If God loved you enough to save you from your sins and give you an inheritance in Christ that will not be removed, if God loved you that much to give you all of that, will he not also be faithful to you when you are under imperfect authority? Could God actually intend to use imperfect authority to bring about something that you would attribute to only God could do that? Because his perfect authority is over your life as you are under imperfect authority. Could God not still work even though imperfect authority seems to limit what you're able to do? I mean, really, ultimately, what we're saying when we don't want to live under the imperfect authority that God's placed over us is that God can't work in my life because of imperfect authority over me. And that's not what we want to say about God. What we want to say about God is that he has so worked in my life that I can live under imperfect authority, completely trusting him, working for him, acting like he's the one that's over me because he is with his perfect authority. And somehow he's going to redeem all of the actions that I live out under imperfect authority. How I respond to the authority over me is how I respond to God. So, so just to be honest with you, I don't, I don't like how the governmental authority over us during the COVID crisis has restricted so much of life. I don't like what it's meant for our church family. I don't like that I have to be here week in and week out preaching to an empty worship center. I don't like that. But you know what? I want to live under the authority over me in such a way that it demonstrates I'm 
living as unto the Lord's perfect authority over me, trusting that he can do something through the limitations of these circumstances because he is perfect authority over me. I know it's not easy to live in an environment where the imperfect authority overuse, not what we would like or prefer. But we've got to understand that this principle of authority really matters. How we respond to the authority over us is how we respond to God. And the third principle is how we respond to the authority given to us is how we respond to God. In other words, how we exercise the authority given to us is how we are responding to God. You can see that clearly in Colossians chapter 4, verse 1. Master, deal with your slaves justly and fairly, since you know that you too have a master in heaven. The, the master over the slave in the Colossi church was called to act in a way towards the one over which he had authority. To act in a way that reflected how God acted toward him. I think about how I have been given authority. You think about how you have been given authority in your life. Everybody has authority. Everybody's been given authority. God, as being all authoritative, has given the gift of authority to all of us so that we might use the authority given to us by the Lord to bring glory to His name. And so I, as one who has received this incredible inheritance through my faith in Jesus Christ, I want to make sure that I exercise any authority that God has been given that God has given me to bless the people around me like God has blessed me. How I exercise my authority is my response to God. God has blessed me by forgiving me of my sins, using his authority to forgive me. If God has forgiven me, how can I use the authority he's given me to bless those around me? You know, one of the, one of the clearest places to apply some of these principles is in your workplace. In your workplace, you are likely under authority and you have likely been given authority. Well, how are you living under imperfect authority as unto the Lord? Acting like God's the one that hired you. God's your actual supervisor. God's the one who's given you every capacity to work as if you were under perfect authority only and not under imperfect authority. How are you responding to God under imperfect authority? And then how are you taking the authority that's been given to you as a gift from God in order to participate in God's activity and purposes to be a blessing to others? How are you using the authority that belongs to you to bless people around you? God wants you to live under authority. He wants you to exercise authority so that other people might see him. You know, we're being very cautious about how we move forward to reopen church. And we're trying to take every precaution, make every plan to reopen on May 17th in some way, shape, or form. But we're going to continue to submit those plans before the Lord and walk under authority, believing that God's authority is good. And that the imperfect authority under which we all walk, God can still enable us to experience an incredible opportunity to help others see him. 
And so, so we're going to do the best we can to walk under authority. The reason being is so that people might see us as a church family walking under God's authority, fully trusting Him, even under imperfect authority, so that other people might more clearly see Jesus Christ. It's an interesting passage in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. That's what he says. He has all authority. And having all authority, you know what he tells his followers? He says, I want you as stewards of my authority to go and make disciples. One of the greatest demonstrations of our stewardship of authority, living under authority and exercising authority, is going into our world and making disciples. But you see what? You can't go into the world and make disciples if you're not living under the authority of Jesus. He has all authority. He's given you some of His authority to go into the world and make disciples. But if you're not living under the imperfect authority over you as unto the Lord, you will not display Jesus Christ. If you are not living under the perfect authority of God in displaying the authority given to you, you will not make disciples. The greatest stewardship of our authority is to go and make disciples, but it requires us to live under authority as unto the Lord and exercise authority in the same way the Lord exercised His authority towards us to bless all people. What we want to do as a church family in launching into the second third of the year is to make sure we're living under authority and exercising authority so that we might be in the best possible position to go into our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ, displaying the good authority of God that has made provision for our forgiveness. Ready? Set. Go. We have an unprecedented circumstance in which to trust the perfect authority of Jesus Christ over us and to go into our community and point others to Jesus Christ to lead someone who's close to us, closer to Jesus. Let me pray for you.